no because tables. No tables. No chi-squares, no yeah, nothing. Yeah, no chi-squares, no nothing because you don't see the story. This is Shafali. And you're listening to Pete's Admit. So we are back, Alice, for part two of our QI episode, which again was recorded initially for the Fellows College Curriculum at Children's National. Yes. So you'll hear me and Dennis Wren, an emergency department fellow at Children's, interviewing Dr. Christy Corvo, who's a PICU attending, and Dr. Padma Pavaluri, who's a hospitalist attending, about quality improvement. Yes. Let's get started. So now we are on to measuring up in PDSA cycles. Yeah, so measurement seems super important because we want to know if the changes and interventions we put into place actually led to any improvement. Is that correct? Yep. And we look at three types of measures. One is the outcome measure, process measure, and balancing measures. You guys never make anything. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it really helps us think about the problems, right, and what we're trying to fix and how we're going to get there. So I think it's really important. So, for example, going back to our key driver example, the outcome measure, you can think of it as your SMART aim statement, right? So, I'm going to decrease readmissions by 20% on 70. So, that's my outcome measure, 30-day readmissions. But how am I going to get there? So, there's multiple processes that are involved. So, for example, readmissions, there might be multiple things like... Um, that they all get follow-up calls after discharge, like they get medication reconciliation, that they get appointments that are made, that they get their discharge summaries faxed to their PCP. So those you could think of as potential interventions, and you want to measure those over time. So for us, one key process measure for readmissions was the what percent of patients actually received post-discharge follow-up calls within 48 hours of discharge. So that's a great process measure. But then you're putting all this effort into reducing readmissions. What are you going to muck up, right? So if I just discharge every kid in two days, that's great, right? What's going to happen with that? They might come back. They might (laughs) come back, right? So there's a balance between what your intervention is, your outcome, and what what the impact is on the people. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. So let me back up. So if I want to reduce readmissions, I just keep everybody here forever. Thanks right. For, thanks for that. Yeah. I need to get kids out of the picky. Okay, fine. Oh, so that's that's really helpful. But what happens if I keep kids here forever to reduce my readmissions? Then I'm going to have other issues. For example, PICU can't get kids to me. The ED can't get kids to me, for example. So for every ying, there's a yang, and you have to be able to live with that yang. Sometimes it's okay if there's a little bit of a problem, but as long as it's not too much of a problem, and you just have to be able to weigh those risks and benefits, basically. And so when you're thinking about your intervention, you have to actually think about that up front, right? So in the PICU a couple of years ago, we did handoff, surgical handoff. So we said we would like to have handoff by the pediatric surgery fellow. And so if they're upstairs giving us report. What happens to the next case? Can it start or does it have to be delayed, right? So as you're thinking about possible interventions, think about the implications of that intervention. So your your balance measure for surgical sign-out was like the number of cases to get in the day, the amount of time to Exactly, ta- right, that. exactly. So time to next case start, how long does it take to get a sign-out at the bedside? That makes sense because you don't want to create inefficiencies in another part of the process 
while trying to make what you're focusing on more efficient. Exactly. exactly. And it's another opportunity to think about the process. So when you're thinking about balancing measures, you may not have thought about it in your process map or your fishbone, but this is just again another opportunity. If I do this, what's going to happen? So I'm, I'm very impressed by the just sheer amount of prep work that has to be done <laughs> before any of this has to happen. But like, do I need to? Do I need to have this perfect battle plan before going in, or? Perfect is the enemy of good, right? You just sometimes have to do it and get something done. Mm-hmm. And some of this is the psychology of it, right? If you spend a day in a year prepping. What's going to happen with your team and your stakeholders? They're going to lose interest and just give up mm-hmm. on you, Dennis, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have to have decide good enough is, and let's just try it. And if it doesn't work, let's tweak it and tweak it and tweak it until it is spreadable. So that's also the beauty of QI is that you don't have to wait until everything is 100% perfect. Sometimes even just a 5% improvement might be good enough for now. And that's the hardest thing we as, again, healthcare providers who've been trained with statistical values and you have to have an N of a thousand before it's deemed good or bad. That's not how it works in QI. It sounds like what you're talking about is a PDSA cycle. Uh, Perhaps. (laughs) Or PDA. PDA. (laughs) No. That's what we want you to do during this course. We actually want you to do a few PDSA cycles, right? So what is PDSA? Plan, do, study, and act. Okay, simple. But we want you to do it a couple of times. Yeah, so this is each intervention you sort of think about as your PDSA cycle, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes that intervention is an N of one. So you might say, I really think our project was X, Y, and Z. We're going to see if it works. So that's your first PDSA, right? And you're going to go to the bedside and you're going to say, okay, what do you think about this bedside nurse? Blah, blah, blah. And they say, I loved it. It was great. You're done. It worked. You showed you showed it was easier for her workflow or his workflow. It was easier for you to get your plan across or whatever that was. You're done. You don't need 10 of them. So then you say, if this works, what else could work? What else could we apply? Or it didn't work. It was horrible. Better that you know after one patient and one experience than 100. So it's really important to do those PDSA cycles because what you think the intervention is going to do may not help at all. So a really common pitfall is waiting for our electronic medical record to get a new (laughs) order set or an alert or a form or something in the, a new charting flow when you haven't even perfect. So another thing to consider is you want to perfect it on paper before spending those resources, Mm -hmm. whether it's IT or structural, for example, to make sure it works, right? Like think of even just making an IT alert or something. There's probably like a few thousands of dollars involved in there. Why would you go do that if you haven't even proven that it's going to work mm-hmm. first, right? Mm-hmm. So it could be as simple as, let's put a sticky note on the computer every time. Hey, remember, Alice, whenever you admit a kid with febrile neutropenia, you have to do X, Y, and Z, right? And then you're going to say, hey, I did this, but we forgot to do this. Or mm-hmm. I did this, but it took too long to do this part. So let's go fix those things. And then the next time, maybe you could put some stickers on the charts, so like on every computer, hey, every time these kids come in, you got to do X, Y, Z, and one, two, three, right? So then once you tweak those processes out, work out the kinks, then you can maybe start going towards the electronic solutions. So this is, yeah, getting everything like really 
beta testing your Cerner intervention or your ER yeah. intervention before you actually code it. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's not in your time horizon or in this project either. Anything that has to do with EHR change is not going to be in the time horizon for your project. Mm. But that may be your second year of your project, right? After you've done these multiple PDSAs. So now we've got all these successful steps and we are moving on to how do we actually show the change that we're making and convince people that this is a good change and so we want to spread it. Oh, data, <laughs> right? This is what we're all trained in, the scientific method where we want p-values and power value powers and ends of a thousand. You don't need that in QI, and frankly, you're not going to get it ever. So there are a few key tools. One is called a run chart, and the other one is called a control chart. So for, for your expectations, we just want you to do run charts and just show the data over time. And so this is the key thing. This is not a pre and post like we mentioned before. This is a, well... It's not even just a pre and post. It's a pre, 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 pre. Is that a seven pre's? Yeah. And then post, 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 post ad nauseum. And so what I mean by that is in quality improvement, let's say you get some data today as your baseline. Is that going to be really reflective of what's actually happening or is that just a random Tuesday data? So the ideal in quality improvement is to get what we call a baseline comprised of at least seven data points. Then you have confidence to show that's your baseline from which you're going to have forward progress. Then every week, every month, however you're collecting data, you can plot your outcomes on that run chart. So let me back up. So let's say I have, I started my interventions or PDSAs and I have three dots going up in a row. Did I have success? I don't think so. How do you know that, Dennis? I show, I just showed you. It's almost vertical. They're going up. But we want to see it sustained, right? Like what if this is just, you know, a couple aberrations? No, that's terrific. So that's part one. So before even that, though, like what if those three dots are just, just normal variation? You have no idea. Or it's just the way it looks exaggerated on a graph, right? So that's where the statistics of run charts are going to come in. But the simplistic idea is that if you have... um seven values above that baseline which you started at, that's called a shift. Then you can look backwards and say, what happened over these seven past data points to figure out what really happened and did it work or not? But if you put that data in a four by four or two by two table, you'd never see the story. Yeah. You just see the numbers average or weighted. So this run chart really tells the story of your intervention and the effect thereof. So it's really important that, again, pulling us back from our research training and all that, data needs to be displayed graphically for us in order to see things change in, in process improvement. No tables allowed. I think we should make that no table sign. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no because tables. No tables. No chi-squares, no yeah, nothing. Yeah, no chi-squares, no nothing because you don't see the story. We told you quality improvement is continuous, so that means by definition your y, your x-axis is going to be time right. on the bottom. So data has to be presented over time. End of story. End of story. To make a run chart, you need seven baseline data points. Mm -hmm. And then if you are... If you have over five points that are trending up, trending down, that's a trend. Mm -hmm. And if a shift occurs where there's more than six points sort of above, below the center of line, looking different, mm -hmm. then you, you can call it a shift, a shift in your outcomes. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you get this crazy peak one way or the other across your baseline data. And you're like, what the heck just happened? I had five in a row or six in a row, and then I have this huge spike point. 
So that's, those are like astronomical data points. What happened that shifted it that one time? So you have to then look, oh my gosh, delay in medication, you know, medication time out of the pharmacy to the patient. Well, guess what? That spike reflected a flood in the pharmacy. You know, and so those are really important data points to look at what's happening around that process that can explain it. Otherwise, people say, my God, they really slacked off that week, Mm -hmm. you know, which in essence, they didn't. In fact, they did extraordinary work. They were everywhere but the pharmacy distributing medications. So that's really important. And the other thing is, remember, you're not going to necessarily see QI change or effects in the moment. You really have to be patient and look backwards. So sometimes you're not just going to see after two weeks that you've made improvements you might have to wait those six weeks or seven weeks. That doesn't mean you're not doing anything, but you can't go blurting out to Kurt Newman the, hey, I fixed discharge process, right? When you don't even have the sufficient data to show that. And the other thing that's really important about a run chart is labeling. And labeling when you do something and labeling what they are. So again, time, what you're measuring, that's really important. The title of your project is really important. But if you look at a run chart, if you look at an improvement, what the heck did you do to cause that improvement? I did education with the residents around blah, blah, blah. You mark that on your graph so you could see that that intervention actually had an effect or it didn't. So that's really important to annotate your graph so we can see what happened. It has to stand alone and tell the story without you explaining it. It really should be able, you should be able as a, somebody just walking up, oh, look at that. That's amazing. <laughs> Resident education really worked or talking to the nurses really helped or, you know, whatever that and then the other chart that we were talking about is something called a control chart. Can you talk <laughs> to us a little bit more about that? This is my favorite chart in the whole wide world. So the run chart is a really good, simplistic view, but not at all shabby. And we all start with that. Control chart has a little bit more sophistication. So let's step back. Do you remember the normal distribution of a bell curve? Yes, I knew there was no P-value. <laughs> Stop is... it, we'll never admit it. All for you, Dennis. <laughs> so if you remember in your bell curve, remember normal distribution, if you go within the first plus and minus two sigma, that's capturing about 68% of your data, right? With a P-value of what? Less than 0.3. Are you going to buy that? No, no way, no, right? No. So if you go two sigma either way, so you're getting a total of four sigma, you get 95% of your data points. That's a p-value of 0.05. Are you happy with that? Much happier. Yeah, much happier. But then if you go three sigma either way, so then you're getting to six sigma, you get 99% of the data points within that. If you're outside that sigma, then you have a p-value of 0.01. Are you happy with that? Even happier. Right. So that's the whole thing. So now use that bell curve. Now turn it on its side and then extend it through the run chart that you just made. So it takes a little visualization. Take a look at the graphs in front of you. But then those sigma lines become your control limits, uh, the upper and lower control limits. And then you have some in between. But bottom line, this will tell you more information than you were able to tell from that run chart. So in addition to just that astronomical one data point or that shift or the trend, there's actually other rules. Like if I have more than two or three data points above the second standard deviation, then that might be a special cause, meaning something really special happened here. Everything else, if it doesn't fit these eight rules, it's all what we call common cause or i.e. noise or just normal variations and just ignore it. Oh, wow. 
And it's really important that we look at normal variation because we're dealing with humans in our system, right? We're not a bunch of widgets. We're a bunch of humans with processes that are imperfect and that just this fluctuation around a norm that doesn't cause harm or doesn't improve. It just is there. So I think it's really important to understand that normal variation in the system. It's allowed. It has to happen because we're, we're human and there's a variability. And that's a good point, because to step back, the control charts actually derived, I believe, in the 1950s or 60s from Toyota factories or some type of industry where they really wanted to control, and that's the word control chart comes from, some widget. Everything has to be within a specific size. And so their goal was to keep everything within that common cause and learn from that special cause and say, no way. Whereas in healthcare, we want generally the opposite. We don't want to just maintain the status quo. We want to make things better, make it increase these data or decrease these data. So we really want those special causes so we can learn from them and then push them into the system even more. Do you feel like control charts instead of run charts can be almost discouraging because you just see not significant change, not common cause, common cause? They can be discouraging if you're not doing the right thing, right? Mm-hmm. So they're encouraging if you're all doing the right thing, but they're encouraging because even if it is all a common cause, that means you might learn that you need to be working on a completely different area than you had expected. Mm-hmm. And so it's not bad. Yeah. If it's learning not, bad, it's you're good. Your right. You're yeah, wasting your, your time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. If learning is encouraging, then, then you're good. Yeah. So the control chart helps us actually interpret the trends that we may or may not see and determine whether or not they truly are significant changes or the daily variation. Exactly. Yes. So now we're done, right? We we have our results. The world has changed. Ah, No. This is the hard part. This is where the hard part comes. This is where we have to get everybody on board that this is the change. And here's what, and we're going to do this because. So bringing people with you on this journey is one of your biggest challenges. We know there are going to be people who are early adopters and are going to jump right in and go, oh yeah, I'm going to do that. And then, no, we've always done it this way at Children's National and we're going to continue (laughs) to do this. Or, yeah, no, I'm not doing that just because. So this is where the hard part is, trying to get what we've determined with data in an efficient and scientific way, that this actually makes a difference to get people on board to try to change with you. That's culture. And there's a lot of psychology involved here as well. So the early adopters, the middle adopters, the late adopters, maybe you're just going to like say, screw the late adopters. I'm not going to focus on you, but you may want to focus on the early adopters, get some early wins, use them in your PDSA cycles first and say, if it works with them, if they're jived up to try my PDSAs and I can tweak it with this small group and show positive data, then I can get a better inroads with the next set of people. Who would have thought we'd be talking about influencers in medicine? That's true. <laughs> you need wait. Is that you do look for people who sort of like have a voice? It's, have a it's actually a deliberate action. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, it's a deliberate action. You're trying to look at people who people follow. Yeah, it's it's a deliberate action, and we're struggling with that with that well being stuff. But that's you're absolutely looking like well, if Alice does it, I'm gonna do it. 
Yeah, looking for influencers. Yeah, someone who has a lot of mentees, right? Right, someone exactly. So we need we need to we need to do Instagram things and or TikToks around this because that's really like, yeah, I know, right? That's but it's enlightening. That, yeah, but it really is. Or let's say you just focus all your energy on that late adopter, and if everybody oh. sees that, oh my God, oh. Christy's doing it, so I am going to definitely do it. It must be good. <laughs> it must be good. But if you think about it, we have a real life example, right, with vaccine adoption. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it vaccination is perfect example of. I wanted it before, right? We, we wanted to sign up for the study, right? All of us, all the faculty yeah. here and all that. But then we've got people who are still like, so you're spending a lot of time on the opposite end of that bell curve when you really need to get more people in the middle. That's what you're shifting for. Well, Doctors Corbin and Pavaluri, thank you again for that enlightening discussion. <laughs> I, know, I know I learned a whole lot about what uh, QI is and definitely also about what it is not. <laughs> Glad to be here. Alice, that was amazing. Right? I love, I mean, clinically as a mentor, as a literal QI mentor, but Christy and Papa really the best. Yeah. Can we just talk about how amazing they are as people? They're the best. Um, I feel privileged to have worked with both of them in residency. I miss them a lot. And um, I think this is also just like a super valuable episode. Again, a lot of concrete stuff here to help fellows in particular, but also I think this is useful for residents. And as we've mentioned, QI never goes away. <laughs> it follows right? you. So are love you it or looking not. to maintain your certification? <laughs> Unfortunately, exactly. this episode is also for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, but uh, we hope you you found it useful and we'd love to hear your thoughts pedesadmin at gmail.com is where you can reach us we also yeah you know follow us on instagram yeah. you know we might post something about the gantt chart i don't know yeah we're around you you, <laughs> you, know, you know you know us <laughs> all right guys we'll see you next time <laughs>